0: Hello literacy leaders and champions, welcome to Literacy Talks. We are so excited to welcome you to this podcast series from Reading Horizons, dedicated to exploring the ideas, trends, insights, and practical issues that will help us all improve our professional practice in teaching reading. Our series host is Stacey Hurst, professor at Southern Utah University and chief academic officer at Reading Horizons, where reading momentum begins. Joining Stacy are Donnell Pons, a recognized expert in literacy and special education, and Lindsay Kemeny, a Utah-based elementary classroom teacher. Today's topic is books, the books that have and continue to have an impact on our hosts' approach to teaching reading. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode
1: of Literacy Talks. I'm Stacey Hurst, and I'm here with Donnell Pons and Lindsay Kemeny, where we talk a lot about literacy. So we're happy to have you along for the conversation. And today we have a really fun topic. It was Lindsay's turn to choose. So I'm going to let her introduce it for us.
2: Yes. Okay. I'm excited about today's topic. Um, The three of us have a lot in common, but one of the things we have in common is we all are lifelong learners and we love reading and we're constantly reading, especially about reading because we're all kind of obsessed with literacy. So I thought it would be fun to talk about that today. And it's just like anytime the three of us get together and we go away, you know, to work on a project over the weekend or something, we all bring like either a suitcase or a bag just full of books. Um, and now we've gotten smart, at least, where we're like, oh, you know, who's got moats? Oh, I'll bring moats. Okay. Who's bringing Kilpatrick? Oh, you know, oh, I'll bring the source book. Okay, great. And we kind of divide it out. But and then, Stacey, I remember you telling a story Uh, Once where well you were moving and you were talking about how all your friends and family were so helpful, so you know willing to help you move until they realized and they remembered all your books, right?
1: Yeah, then they were not so excited about it.
2: Yes. (laughs) Anyways, we have just different things about books we're going to talk about today, and so my first question is, what is your favorite book on literacy, and why is it your favorite book? You can um, share a quote if you want, or you don't have to, but let's each share. one of our favorite books. And so,
3: Donnell, let's start with you. Okay, great. Oh, Lindsay. Okay, this was tough. This was really, really yeah. tough. And so I noticed that when you had asked this question, I wrote down everything. <laughs> That's the answer. You can't do that. Oh, there are some really good ones. Um, Essentials of Assessing, Preventing, and Overcoming Reading Difficulties by Dr. David Kilpatrick. I, I, I have to say overall, He just kind of touches and reaches everything. But for really reaching into the heart and soul of reading for me, it's Stanislaus Dehane. And then I've read all of his, but the one that just really resonates with me in many ways is How We Learn. That's one of his books. He's written many, like I say, but he's got a quote out of here because he also said we could quote something. And I think this is just so amazing. And it's Stanislaus quoting Vladimir, and I don't know how you want to say it, but if it's Nabokov to you or Nabokov, however you want to say it. And he's quoting him and he says, we are absurdly accustomed to the miracle of a few written signs being able to contain immortal imagery, involutions of thought, new worlds with live people speaking, weeping, laughing. What if we wake awake one day, all of us, and find ourselves utterly unable to read?
2: Wow. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. You didn't choose just one, but like when I was looking at these questions myself and I came up with the questions, right? And sent them to you. And then I was thinking about them myself and I'm like, "What? I can't answer this. Like what? who asked this?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it was me." Cuz how do you just pick one, right? I know. Okay, Stacy, let's go to you. Oh gosh. And and you're right. I think
1: that's impossible. So, the short answer would be I don't have just one. But I really Loved um, Proust and the Squid. Proust, mm. I, how do you say this, Donnell? I'm
3: I've just, heard Proust a lot. Right? I've okay, heard it both Proust. ways. Yeah, I've heard yeah both I know.
1: And O W usually says "ow." So mm. anyway, Proust. I will say Proust and the Squid by Marianne Wolf. Mm. And the the title, the subtitle is "The Story and Science of the Reading Brain." And Marianne Wolf does such a good job of telling the story of the reading brain, something that's usually Really dense with a lot of sophisticated vocabulary words, which she also uses. <laughs> but um, I did build my vocabulary when I read the book. But I feel like that one was really um, fairly early in my career. About I think I found it a year after she published it or something. And the the preface, this is the first sentence, guys. I have lived my life in the service of words, finding where they hide in the convoluted recesses of the brain studying their layers of meaning and form, and teaching their secrets to the young.
2: How cool Mm. is that?
1: She's amazing.
2: I also love listening to her present because she's just she's really animated and engaging to listen to. Poetic almost, right? Okay, well, my favorite isn't specifically on literacy, but there's a lot of literacy in it. I guess it's talking about different areas, but Explicit Instruction by Dr. Anita Archer, who's like... My teacher hero, and it talks a lot about designing lessons and organizing your instruction and eliciting responses. And I love her. She says, I do something, you do something. I do something, you do something. And I just love that. And so I just apply so many of those principles in my teaching. And I feel like, I don't know, I just love Anita Archer. Every time I watch her or when I read this book and look at it again, I just learn something new. There's just so many good nuggets that you can apply to your teaching, especially of literacy.
1: Yeah. You can't sleep through anything she's doing. Like she's engaging in the true sense of the word.
2: Um, It's funny because all three of those, actually, I like listening to all three, Stanislaus Dehane. Also, it's fun Mm -hmm. to listen to his accent when he presents. (laughs) We talked about Marianne Wolfe and Anish Archer is a great presenter too. Um, Okay. So let's go to our next one, which is what book has had the greatest impact on your teaching and why? Which that's really hard too, because we could use, you know, what we just did, like our our favorite. It might be the same. I don't know. So who wants to go first?
1: I, I can go first if you don't mind, because I do have a ready answer for this one. Although there are many books that continue to impact my teaching, but I have had the opportunity to reflect on this a lot, but I read all 408 pages of the National Reading Panel's report. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, My first year of teaching. And that actually, I think that had the greatest impact on my teaching. One way that it did is because I realized I wasn't teaching phonics in the way that I should. I had some phonics instruction, but it was a very balanced literacy approach and it wasn't enough. So that really led me to so many places, but I found a curriculum that I loved and that checked all the boxes, right? And then that led me to working with that curriculum a little more closely. (laughs) And then also, um, I think the most important impact that it had and continues to have on my career is that it did ground me and my teaching in the science of reading, it wasn't, a, you know, a faddish book that I read or center ideas, which I did read plenty of books about that. But it, I think it continues to impact what I do because I trust the science because I've applied it.
2: Wow, Stacey, like, what a wonderful gift, you know, that you had that. You said your first year of teaching, you read that? That's amazing. So you just had this solid base, this knowledge base. And what a gift for you and your students, you know. I mean, I went down a different path, right, where I didn't learn about this until much more recently. So my early years of teaching were all grounded in things that were not aligned with the science. So that Oh,
1: I had plenty of that, too. Don't worry, but... (laughs) (laughs) It did set a good precedent and I'm just going to, I don't want to take all the time, but I'm going to mention this because it's really important to me. And I think that um, that's why we need to point people to the science. I really feel like our pre-service teachers, guess why I read the National Reading Panel? Because I have another degree in sociology where we learned about research. Nowhere in my pre-service education did we even talk about research. And Mm -hmm. so I am so grateful for that other degree, although I never really used it other than it's informed my life a lot. But I think that's sad and we need to change that. And luckily we are, we hear that all the time. We're referring to the science. So anyway, thank you for coming to my TED talk. I'm done now.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, Donnell, how about you? Yeah, I was just thinking, um, I I have to go with, and then I I might have to do two here again, overcoming dyslexia. And I'm going to say that because I had two struggling readers in my home, one really struggling and a husband who had struggled with reading. And this was the first time that I picked up a book and they were speaking to my experience. And I had done so much searching to try to find information. I'd already been through a really fantastic dual master's program. A special education certification, and didn't get anything I needed for these individuals who were struggling with what I thought was the basic skill of reading, and I was still Like, what's going on? How can I get help? And overcoming dyslexia, Dr. Sally Shaywitz just laid it down and laid it out clearly. And it was a game changer, a life changer, a game changer. Changed not only my family's lives and our experience, but it changed my students, all those that I would come in contact with later. You know, it's interesting. I was just thinking the other day about how much of my life I have spent doing this. This is my work. And, you know, I think it's like a soliloquy of the life's work about helping people come to reading. And I think Shaywitz for me, that just kind of summed up the whole thing, overcoming dyslexia.
2: Well, Donnell, we have another thing in common because guess what? I chose the same one. (laughs) I have it here, overcoming dyslexia, Sally Shaywitz, because that is what, it's kind of the first book I read that led me on my journey. Of course, it was my son that was diagnosed with dyslexia. And this is one of the first books I picked up that really started, you know, I started to learn. What do dyslexics need to learn to read? And that leads me to what everyone needs to learn to read. So, And then the next book I read after this, or one of the ones, was The Multisensory Teaching of Basic Language Skills you guys have, have you guys read that? So that is like a huge textbook. It was like $80. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, similar to Stacey, how you're saying the national reading panel just gave you this, you know, all this knowledge that took me, you know, with my teaching, just really how to do everything piece by piece and kind of the knowledge and the research with each, you know, component of reading. So those two are the greatest impact for me. Um, Okay, well, what about those that are new to the science of reading? So we're talking about all these different books, but maybe there's a particular book that's, you know, best for someone new to the science of reading. So what do you have suggestions for that?
1: My students are all new to the science of reading, (laughs) my college students. Um, And I use the core teaching reading source book. It gives the why and the science behind it, but also very practical application resources as well. I think that's a good place to start.
2: Great. Yeah. I have that one.
3: I love that one too. Okay. Donnell, what about you? The one that I think just should be on everybody's desk is essentials. and It it should be on everybody who comes in contact with students should have this on their desk. Yeah. Right. Essentials of assessing and preventing and overcoming reading difficulties by Dr. Uh, David Kilpatrick. For me, he just sums up so much. If somebody like has a question for me and immediately I want to get that precise answer for them, I can just thumb through the page and I've got it. Right. Or what's the research on that? I know Kilpatrick's already done the hard legwork for me and I'll just look it up and he's got it. So I've got three sources as to that research. So we've made the statement, how do we know that's important? Oh, let me grab the research. So that's what I really like about Essentials is because you can get a lot of different pieces from different places. What I have found over time is that if I want to go one place to get to all of those sources right away, I can usually find it here in Essentials besides all the good information that it has, but it's a good resource that way too.
1: And I, you know, I would agree with that. It's a good beginning-ish one because what he does, he does so well. You can tell he has a background in cognitive psychology because he's always revisiting. I felt like there was the cumulative review throughout that book and I knew more after reading it. I didn't feel like I had to go back and revisit it as much, although it's useful for that too.
2: The one I suggest, it just came out, I think last year, and it's called The Art and Science of Teaching Primary Reading. Christopher Such. Oh, you have it too, Stacey. Yes. I assigned that to my students too. Oh, this is so great. I mean, it's just easy to understand terms. You know, he goes through each component of literacy. He talks about phonics. He talks about oral language, comprehension, um, vocabulary, everything. And I just feel like he's really succinct and I really appreciate that. And then he gives like application in each chapter. So I really, I love this one. Um, I think it's perfect for beginners. And another one I think, okay, see, I'm 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 like doing two on a lot of mine because I couldn't decide. Another one I really like is Reading for Life by Lynn Stone. Um, same kind of thing where she's really to the point. Um, she also has this section I love where it's um just kind of telling who's who in the literacy world and kind of like what they contributed. Um and so I think that is really helpful too, especially those that are new to this information.
1: I mentioned this in an ed webinar that Donnell and I just did, but I did assign my students the art and science of teaching primary reading. But also, I don't know if you realized it, Lindsay, but you just referenced two international authors.
2: Yeah. So Christopher right.
1: Such is from England and Lynn Stone is Australian. So
2: yeah. cover true. All the
1: English speaking countries.
0: Are there books and authors that have had an important impact on your teaching? Share your favorite professional reads with us and keep current with everything literacy at readinghorizons.com/reading-resources.
2: Okay, share a book that you wish you had two copies of.
3: Everything. <laughs> <laughs> to having multiple copies of a lot of these already i don't wish i did i already do you already do i I do too
1: and then i get the updated i have two speech to print multi-sensory every time there's a new edition overcoming
2: dyslexia oh because you get the new edition
3: you get the new ones
2: too
1: Mm. yeah and you give them away
3: i give them
2: away too yeah. To educators, I've done that. Yeah. Oh, good for you. I wouldn't dare give mine away. I don't right? <laughs> want them. I do. I think guess so if I, I have. had an extra copy, but yeah, yeah that's true. I, I have
1: multiple editions of the teaching reading source book. Oh, wow. And I do give that away frequently, but.
2: I got that one for free because someone at my school was going to throw it away, Ooh. and it was. <laughs> and she was going through all the books in her office and getting rid of them. And I'm like, "Can I just take a look at these books?" And then I just saw Teaching Source book, and I saw a few others like Road to the Code and a few others. I'm like, "Okay, I'll just hoard books," you know. Anyway, um, okay, is there a book that you struggled to get through, and what was it?
3: You know, not on the subject of reading. When I looked at that question, Lindsay, I thought that's a really good question because you would think there would be a dud in there now and then, right? There'd be one you just couldn't make your way through. What's really interesting is none of these have been like that. And even some have said, you know, Seidenberg it's not for the faint of heart thoroughly enjoyed. And I found myself laughing at parts of it, right? Because even though a lot of it, I'm sure he didn't mean for you to laugh right out loud, but- (laughs) He's
1: such a comedian. (laughs)
3: Right. Uh, But I think that was a really good question. And I I struggled to think of one I couldn't make my way through. So that tells me a few things. One is that when folks get down to writing a book about this, they know their subject. That's one, right? And I also appreciate the fact that we have a lot of so-called specialists, I would say. So a lot of them kind of focus in on an area of focus. And so you're not really overlapping a lot, which is also interesting, even though we're all talking about the same subject, a lot of these books, you're getting something different from all of them, which I found fascinating. What do you think, Stacy? too?
1: You know what? I had this, when you started talking, I was like, that was exactly my thought process. I actually can't name a book about reading that I struggled to get through. Yeah. And I think that also speaks to the interest of the reader, too, True, Because we've read some pretty dense stuff (laughs) where we're talking about (laughs) neuropsychology and the way the brain is wired. There are words I've never seen in print before. But when you have that interest, like you're into it. But I did think of a book that wasn't related to reading that I couldn't read. (laughs) I could not do it. And I'm going to mention it. We can cut this out if we want to, but it was out of Africa. I loved (laughs) the movie. And the book, you guys, is literally like maybe 150 pages. I could not read it. It was nothing like the movie. I'm just saying I do not recommend that book.
2: Here's the thing. I think the fact that you guys never struggled through a book really says a lot about you guys. Me, on the other hand, I do have one that I struggled to get through initially. And it's not because, okay, so I don't think someone's going to struggle through a book because it's a dead. I think it's going to be on the reader. So this is on me. So this is me being very, very humble, but Yes. The first time I tried to read Language at the Speed of Sight by Mark Seidenberg, I I struggled. I struggled through (laughs) it. And I kind of stopped halfway. Now, I didn't have the background knowledge totally for it because it was still a little new to me, the the science of reading and everything, right? So I haven't known about it as long as you guys So I struggled. And then I remember just last year, um, I was taking this course through the University of Utah and she had us reading some really challenging research articles and different readings. And I remember one of the choices was like a chapter from Seidenberg. And I was like, oh, well, I have that book and I know that's going to be hardest. So I'm going to choose one of the other articles. And then I was trying to read one of the other articles and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Let (laughs) me go back to Seidenberg. And I read the Seidenberg chapter and I'm like, oh, I, I understand this. And it was just like, you know, a couple of years later. So I totally had more background knowledge and I understood. Now maybe I could go back and read those research articles and they would make more sense. But Lindsay, <laughs> those great I love takeaways.
3: That. Yeah. I, I love that because notice the one that I did say, if there was one, it would be. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> yeah that would be the one. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: And the bo- importance of background knowledge. Yeah. We know this. Yeah. Research yeah. tells us that's vital. So that's cool.
3: Yeah. Now, Um, Lindsay, you didn't ask us this, but I do want, is there a book that you've read that you're you're not hearing a lot of people talking about that you think was really good? And I do have one of those. I don't know if anybody else has got Mm. one. So I'll give you a chance to kind of Mm. think because I was hoping you would ask me that because there's one that I was hoping would get more traction and I rarely hear anybody talk about it and I've never heard anybody quoting from it. And it was really good. And it's on the forefront of thought for right now. Oh, Which I'm so curious now. You totally, I know no, you have this on you the You have edge to of our tell seats. us.
2: I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is it?
3: So it's oh, Reader Come yes, Home. Yes, I have yes. By Marianne Wolf, And I'm surprised more people haven't talked about it because she really got the conversation rolling on digital yes. print. And I haven't you heard could, a lot oh, of people yeah. pick up the ball and run with it, right? Really? That's a Good point. Like, it's true. And
2: Donnell, yeah. I hear you quote from this all the time, or mm-hmm. you bring it up in with people. So, yeah. yeah.
3: I thought it was good, you know? And what's interesting is at the very beginning of it, you know, she's so poetic. She, she sounds like she's reading poetry every time she reads her own words, but uh, she starts it by saying, you stand at the doorway of my words. Together, we stand at the threshold of galactic changes over the next few generations. I mean, who doesn't want to read more about that?
1: <laughs> You're the Star Wars theme. Exactly. Galactic yeah. changes.
3: And and then really That's does cool. do a really good job of diving into mm-hmm. some of this, as yet, not really studied deeply area of, so what happens when we become digital readers and just digital is the way we're getting things. And, and the information age, she also dives into the information age. But interesting, I haven't really seen a lot of people talking about it, right?
1: Yeah. And do you know, it's a little bit ironic because the the fact that we have technology like that has informed what we know about reading in the brain. I- More than we've ever been able to inform before, yet it also is affecting the brain. We could probably do a whole episode on that.
3: I know we could. Yeah. You know, and in fact, so... I, I revisited this in, in lieu of this conversation, Lindsay, because I was thinking, oh, Lindsay's going to be asking us about these. And this is one I, I dusted it, blew the dust off. <laughs> I thought, I have to look at this again. And then it informed an experience I had with a student when I was sitting just with a student this week. And we ended up, I ended up just saying to myself, you know what we need? We need to have one of these moments. We need to have that Marianne Wolf. She calls them the lap moment. I kind of chuckled with Stacey. I did this earlier today. We <laughs> talked about this, the lap moment where a kid crawls into your lap and you read that book together and it's sight and sound. And touch and feel—it's everything. You're just having a sensory moment that involves the book. You're there together for the book. I mean, she just sets the stage so well for that. And so I have this student, and he's been doing such good work and working so hard. But he's an older student; he's well into his fifties. Struggled with reading his entire life. So these moments that of joy with a book are precious, right? It's few, few and precious, and they're hard fought. And we've been reading a book. It's been a challenge, but he's hanging in there with it. And we're getting to the last bit of it. And I said to him, "Let's just read together." You know, of course, I said. To stay, I'm always crawling in anybody's lap these days, but we're going to sit next to each other, but kind of recreate that moment. And so I took the book and I said, hey, I'm going to read a page, you read a page. And so my finger would scan over the page and I would read and, and and he would listen and watch my face and everything going and happening. And then he would take it and read it and I would watch him and move. And sometimes he'd, I'd stop him and I'd say, gosh, what does that look like to you? Can you picture that? And we had one of those moments with the book that Marianne Wolf's talking about may become a thing of the past. Time just flew by for the two of us, and when I got done, I turned to him and he goes, "That was amazing." Oh, cool! You know, and it was. I mean, it was one of those life-changing experiences that you have with a book. It's so sweet. I love that. I mean, it's just—it's
2: so exciting. Just the emotion that you know reading brings on, and just last week in my class, um, I had a little student. He was reading a little story. It was called the. Evergreen tree, I think. And it's about this tree that's like she's giving. It's not like the giving tree. That's like, whew, that <laughs> yeah. is a huge tearjerker, right? I read that as an adult and I'm like, oh my gosh. But anyway, the tree is kind of giving. I think it it's like is sheltering this little bird or something. And he just at the end was like, That book makes me cry. And I was mm. like, Well, why? And because it wasn't sad, you know. And he saw the tree is just so kind. And it was just so neat to see how just the, you know, that story just touched him so much. So, yeah. Okay. What are you guys reading right now? All the things. All the books you do, um, like a chapter from one book and a chapter from another. Stacy yeah, is that what have, you're telling us? I
1: have book ADD at this point. I am reading Structured Literacy Intervention. Uh, wow.
2: I am reading that too. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> so good! It just I came out so like I just yeah. got it this week, 2022. You know, I was
1: telling Donnell earlier, a friend of mine went to order it and they're back ordered. Like, oh, anyway. Wow. That's what I'm reading right now. Donna, what are you reading?
2: I kind of cut you off, so I wanted to make sure everyone heard. It's structured literacy interventions, oh, yeah. and it's edited by Louise Spearswirling. Swirling. So you know, you see that name, and it's something you can trust. Right. But it is awesome. Mm-hmm. I've only read one chapter. I skipped to the one on fluency because I was just excited, oh. and I loved it. Like it tells you the research-specific interventions to do for fluency, and then it, it you know, it has a different topic for each chapter. So. Awesome.
3: Okay. Sorry, Donnell. Hey, no problem. And just quickly, because I know we're going to wrap up here and then maybe this is a nice way to kind of top it off because I'm reading a book called behave. It's the biology of humans at our best and worst. And it's actually a book that my son has read and we're having a shared reading experience. So he read it thoroughly, enjoyed it and passed it off to me to read. And I'm now sharing it with him. So when I read, I, I call him up, we chat, sometimes we get together and just chat about it. And that to me is the beauty of books is how it connects us. And now we have a shared experience and uh, some information that the two of us have together and it's given us insight into our relationship. I mean, already. And so that's books to me.
2: Yeah. That's yeah, really cool. They're beautiful. I love that. Um, okay. Awesome. We've, we've talked about some amazing books, hopefully, you know, there's probably too many ideas, out there if you're like furiously writing them all down, but there's so many great books um, on literacy. Just a last question. Do either of you have a method for marking your books? Because I just know this amazing lady who like, she shows a book she's read like you, Donnell, where she has like everything color coded and these tabs and all these things. And I'm like, Oh, I wish, I wish I could organize my reading like that. Okay. Donnell, what's
3: your process? You know, so Lindsay and Stacy, this is from my first career as a reporter. That's where oh. this comes from. See that, isn't that interesting? Because yes, when you would you do research, right, for an article or something that you do, sure. the more research that you had, you had to code it so you could find it later. So that's how I read. So what's your code? What's your code? You? There? Well, it depends on what I'm reading. Yeah. So it depends on what I'm reading and what I'm coding it for. As to okay. So
1: we're looking at the book. Which
3: book is that? You're holding okay, up. So this is reading in the brain. Okay. And so but you have, have three different colors. Yeah. So I've got blue that's going to give me the biology and the science. And I've got red always tagged for dyslexia within a book that has dyslexia in it. Cause the red's what I'm looking for in dyslexia. And then the yellow is for teaching uh, t- things that I can implement into my teaching. So they're coded was, differently.
2: Wow. I, I think we need a lesson from you. Donna. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. What do you do, Lindsay? <laughs> nothing. I just read it. And then you I read. highlight, I just highlight. I'm like, that's good. Oh, that's good. And sometimes I put a star.
1: You guys have a story about that. Like our listeners can't see, but I have whatever sticky note is nearby. The colors mean nothing. Yes. And I will occasionally circle a vocabulary word. I don't know. And write down the definition. I star I highlight, but there is no rhyme or reason, Yeah, but I'm not even kidding you. This is one of the books that influenced me early on teaching our children to read by Bill Honig incidentally helped with the court, the teaching reading source book. But anyway, funny thing, somebody had asked me about this book recently. So I pulled it out. You guys, I found a check from 1998 in my book (laughs) because I'd used it to mark something. It's (laughs) no longer valid, but you know, Uh, reading pays off in more ways than one, I guess.
2: Well, okay. So thank you. This was a great conversation, you guys. Um, I want to get more organized in how I mark. So Donnell, we need to have more conversations. (laughs) Yes.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for this great episode. I loved the questions you came up with. And I know that um, we are running short on time, but we can cut out a lot of my TED talk if we need to. But I love this question that you asked that we didn't answer, a book that has a special place in your heart. Oh, okay.
2: Well, maybe we should end on that.
1: I think that would be a good way to end. Okay. Darnell, you go ahead.
3: <laughs> okay. okay. So I will, because I've been thinking about, I'm going to go back to overcoming dyslexia. When I got the copy, it was at the library. I picked it up at our local library. It was evening. It was raining. I got into the car to read it. And do you know, guys, I started it, drove home, pulled into the garage, shut the garage door and didn't go in until I'd finished it. I was out there for hours oh, and I was crying car? because I felt like I finally had a place to start. Okay, I will go
1: next and then we'll end with you, Lindsay. Okay. So I actually have two and they're not related. They're not about reading, but one is Sylvester and the Magic Pebble.
2: Oh, I love that. But that
1: book by itself really didn't mean a ton to me. It was a great story. Lots of good lessons. Kids love it. But right after Elizabeth Smart was found, and you guys, this was sheer magic and coincidence, because I remember the day, it was literally the day after it made the news. I taught in Utah, so it was even bigger news here. And I did not, for my morning read aloud, hadn't planned anything. I literally just happened to grab that off the shelf. And my students were making connections between Elizabeth Smart and Sylvester, even down to the, oh, remember she was nearby her family and they didn't even know. And Sylvester was a pebble and they sat on him and they didn't even know it was him. And i that was so magical. So that book does have a special place in my heart because I think it shows, I don't know, even in six-year-olds, seven-year-olds could make those meaningful connections. But another one is called The Reader and I don't recommend it frequently. (laughs) It's really well-written and it is a movie too. I think Kate Winslet stars in it. The movie is rated R. So if you're sensitive to that, I don't recommend it. But the main message is honestly the impact that illiteracy can have on a life, literally. And this woman was in prison when she learned how to read, and it was the most freeing thing for her. So I closed that book and I literally went, wow, like it took my breath away. So that book is close to my heart too, because it really helps us emphasize The importance of why we do what we do. Okay, Lindsay, big finale.
2: Yeah. So the book that's has the most special place in my heart is called Dog Man by Dave Pilkey. And you're probably like, what? But there's a reason for that. That is the first book that my son with severe dyslexia picked up and read on his own. And um, it was like a gateway book because that led him into reading himself. And it was just, I can't even tell you. In fact, I took a picture because I just remember looking over and doing this double take because there he sat reading with a book in his free time. And I just cried (laughs) because it was such an amazing moment. So I'll always be grateful for that book because that's what led my son into books and reading.
1: Thank you, Lindsay. That was an awesome way to end. I think that is really powerful. And what a fun conversation. I think we've proven a lot of things in the course of this episode, one that we could talk about books forever. (laughs) I always love talking about books. So we should probably do another of these episodes and maybe invite some other people to join us too. So thank you for joining us in this episode and we'll see you next time on Literacy Talks.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Literacy Talks, the podcast series for literacy leaders and champions everywhere. Literacy Talks comes to you from Reading Horizons, where reading momentum begins. Join us next time.